This is AgriPulse Drive Time brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. America's crop insurance agencies provide individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland. Good Wednesday afternoon. I'm Spencer Chase. Greetings from New Orleans, where AgriPulse is on location for the Cattle Industry Convention. Stay tuned for reports from the gathering of the nation's beef sector groups throughout the week. For starters, Jennifer Houston will take over as president of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association on Saturday after spending a year as the organization's president-elect. She tells AgriPulse the organization's policy priorities for the coming year include some familiar topics. Trade will be number one, trying to get a bilateral agreement with Japan, as well as getting the USMCA, uh, the new NAFTA agreement ratified through Congress. I think it's going to be an uphill challenge, but I think we can do it. The new Congress is going to present some, some challenges. I uh, will continue with regulatory reform, uh, the new Waters of the U.S. ruling, making sure that works out well for cattlemen. It looks really good so far. Uh, hours of service, still continuing on the delays until we can work out a permanent solution that fits uh, the majority of the U.S. She also mentioned environmental regulations and the next round of dietary guidelines as additional areas of NCBA focus. The downturn in farm income is a well-known issue, but a farm economy expert says Trump administration policies may have exacerbated the issue. Kurt Hudnut is the head of rural banking for North America for Rabobank. He says analysts previously thought this year could reverse the downward income trend. We thought 2019, our economists really believed 2019 would be one of those years where we could get back to a kind of break even, maybe make a little bit of money. The tariffs and especially the impact on soybeans has really hurt that. But now the tariffs could cause two years worth of issues. So everything we see from the tariffs is it's probably a two-year impact minimum. Even if China and the U.S. decided tomorrow to strike a deal, uh, it seems like that impact has it's played its way through. Um, I think also... We just continued to, to produce at unbelievable levels. I mean, everybody thought this year we wouldn't hit trend line, um, given what the weather patterns were through most of the U.S., and, and yet we did again. Um, and so we definitely don't have a, a, an issue in production. Um, and then, so we got to look at a disruption somewhere else that's really got to drive those prices up. Otherwise, I think you know, we're in for a period of time where it's just going to bounce around you know, break even, a little bit of profit, a little bit of a loss. Hudnut says alternative financing options rather than through traditional operating loans may come into play in the next few years. They'll have to rely on input financing, you know, from the seed uh, chemical fertilizer supplier, um, deferrals of payments. I think you'll see a lot of those things. With the government shutdown in the rearview mirror, the Department of Agriculture is trying to get back on track with its market reports. AgriPulse's Ben Nully has more. The Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service started rescheduling release dates for over 40 reports delayed by the government shutdown. NAS was not allowed to collect data or issue reports during that time. A few major reports to watch for include crop production and grain stocks reports, which are scheduled to be released at noon Eastern Friday, February 8th. They were all originally scheduled for January 11th. Expect the latest cattle on feed report out at 3 p.m. Eastern, February 22nd. A release date for the Census of Agriculture, originally scheduled for February 21st, has not yet been set. For AgriPulse, I'm Ben Nully. Finally today, the race to meet consumer food expectations is causing changes for producers, processors, and retailers. Nathan Pike with Cargill says consumer demand for claims like grass-fed, organic, or antibiotic-free currently makes up about 3% of beef sector demand. 
but he says that's expected to grow. If you look at many of the retailers today, they're changing their supply chain dynamics and, and, and labels so that they're increasing appealing to those consumer trends, right? So uh, it's only 3%, but it's growing. We see more consumer awareness of it, and we see retailers trying to meet those demands of consumers, and so it's going to be driven to our market. So we need to figure out how to embrace it. He says sustainable supply chains from farm to fork would help the sector adapt to the coming changes. Now, here's a word from our sponsor. Today's AgriPulse Drive Time is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. That's all for today's Drive Time. For more agriculture, trade, environment, and regulatory news, visit agripulse.com. Reporting in New Orleans at the Cattle Industry Convention, I'm Spencer Chase.